What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Ashley, the quote-unquote dark age of comics saw Superman get rebooted from scratch. He died, he got married, and he got turned into an electric blue battery. So instead of the dark times, this period for Superman could be considered a period of change. Mm. And I would like to know from you, which of these changes do you think was the most shocking or the most original? interesting i thought you were gonna say the most important well i think we can save that till the end of the podcast but like okay you know again he, he went through a lot of changes from 1985 to 2000 probably more in this time period superman changed more in this 15 years than i think in all the previous 60 i think it'd be pretty hard at least at first blush not or 50 to, i mean sorry. not to credit electric superman electric Superman, yeah like superman blue the most the most startling well i i kind of i kind of the most the most shocking some would say yes i kind of uh encapsulate superman red in, most in that as well the most electrifying, electrifying as some would say um it's certainly the most different and the most out of left field and it's the it, one people hate the most but it's also iconic and it is also beloved. By the way, I owe, I uh, I own a lot of uh, Superman blue action figures. I was going to say you have to have at least 5 or 6. <laughs> uh, I have I have almost all of them that have that exist. I'm missing a couple of them, but I've almost have all of them that they've ever produced. I uh, I think of the JLA issue where Kyle and Wally are playing Rock'em Sock'em Robot constructs mm. and the first time he shows up in and the they're talking about how weird it is mm -hmm. that he and then he just walks through um it was shocking for people in universe and out so I, that's my that's gonna be my first answer best answer is uh Superman blue nice well shocking. i think that's a great answer and it's shockingly it's time for this geek history lesson of course to also be in session hello everybody welcome to geek history lesson i am jason make it so inman i am ashley victoria robinson welcome to your mind university because you have stumbled onto the podcast where we take one character, construct, or Superman era from popular culture and teach you everything you need to know about them in about an hour. And we are returning to one of our most beloved series again this week, and that is the Superman series. A uh, quick shout out. I also want to say that this week's middle name suggestion was from Tom Trainer, and uh, it was great. Make it so. If you'd like to suggest what my middle name should be in future episodes, because I forget it all the time, email us at geekhistorylesson at gmail.com with the subject line, middle name uh yes we are back here celebrating superman we are going to be talking about superman the quote-unquote dark age this is superman's history from 1985 to the year 2000 we'll explain the ages in just a second you know this is of course to celebrate uh you know Superman Lois is coming back to the CW. It's a really great show. Just, you know, general Dawn Superman. of DC, of course, is happening. Everyone's dawning again. So we're talking about a new dawn of Superman. And this is one of our favorite series that we've mm -hmm. ever done on the podcast. Everybody loves these series. Um, and Superman is such an important character that is impossible to bottle his history down, just like Batman, into one hour. So we have split it up. So let me explain why we call this Superman the Dark Cage. 
Please do. I don't understand. I thought there were only three ages of comic books. All of these ages and these titles, none of them are super official. Um, it's what a bunch of comic nerds like myself have decided. Now, we've done a bunch of research, mm-hmm. and Ashley and I have sort of made divisions where we think they are. The lists for comic book historians, if there are such a thing as comic book historians, mm-hmm. um, they change their minds all the time. So we have looked at their lists, we've looked at their tweets, we've looked at their research. This is where we're breaking it up. This is where we have broken it up in previous episodes. So there's the Golden Age, which is 1938 to 1956. That begins with the first appearance of Superman, and it ends with the first appearance of Barry Allen, the second Flash, in showcase number four. The Silver Age begins in 1956, and most people think it ends around 1970. Um, This was a period of silly stories, uh, but it's where we start to see hints of more death. Uh, the you know, of course, uh, you know, it creation of Barry Allen was the beginning. That period sort of ends when the Bronze Age begins in 1970. That generally ends in 1985. Those events are generally considered to be Jack Kirby leaving Marvel. But a lot of people point towards the death of Gwen Stacy in Spider-Man 121 as being like the beginning of the Bronze Age, and the Dark Age begins in 1985. Some people argue it ends in 1998, but others say 2000. I just thought 2000 was a clean number. It's so very, yeah, very clean. I thought we'd make it the millennium. We do, boop, it's the millennium. Uh, but there the are- Backstreet Boys album? Yeah, yeah. And the Will Smith song. Um, <laughs> <laughs> These are timely topical references. What was that song that was like, millennium? That's the Backstreet Boys title song to millennium. Is it really? Yes. No, it's a Robbie Williams song. Yes, that's what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, no, I was just kidding. Let's yeah. move on before the pop stars get after us. Oh, boy. Um, so some people say that they think the Dark Age ends with the premiere of Blade in 1998. Um, but again, I went with the Millennium. Now, this is called the Dark Age. A lot of people, we're going to talk, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about where I think the ages should go because I don't agree where the next two ages go. Uh-huh. A lot of people call this period the modern age. They say the modern age of comic books starts in 1985 and it's still now. Which is a long period in history, not only in comic book history, but like culturally, it is way, way too long. It's too long. Too many changes happen. Yep. It's too, too many long. tropes were introduced. So I have seen this called the Dark Age because this is where Watchmen happens. This is where Dark Knight Returns happens. Yeah. This is where gritting your teeth image comics happens and characters get gritted teeth well, and a lot of muscle. They might like Daredevil and Electra. Well, think about the classic Spider-Man cover where mm-hmm. he, where his where his face mask is half ripped off and he's gritting his teeth yeah, and he's yeah. bleeding. Yeah. Um, so it's it is morally ambiguous, ambiguous stories and uh, juvenileism stories pretending to be mature. Now, uh, the next stage that some people talk about is I've heard it called the Electrum Age. I've heard it called the Blockbuster Age. Some people call it the Modern Age, and this is from 2000 to. About 2011, this is the aftermath of the popping of the the speculator bubble, but it's also what many people is, it's the rise of superhero movies. And then I've seen some people call the last age that we're currently in the modern age slash the The digital digital age age that starts in 2011, 
when DC makes all of their books day and date digital for the first time ever. Also, you see the rise of Webtoons, Kickstarter, yep. independent comics all in, a, in a different way. Comicsology. Bleeding over into yep. things like Marvel Unlimited, uh, bleeding over into the mainstream comics as well. So that's kind of what we have decided as the ages. Yeah. Um, you we know. might have changed our mind by the next time we do this, but that's what we're going with. Well, if there's new now. information, just like scientists, you should, ne- you should never assume that everything is concrete. You know, it always changes when you get new 100%. information. Um, but I don't really care to argue with anybody about the comic gauges. This is what we're cho- choosing, uh, choosing for us, and that's what we're going with, and, and save your comments for yourself. There you okay. go. Um, now, we have already covered this again three times. Episode 108, GHL is Superman the Golden Age. Episode 207 is Superman in the Silver Age, and episode 357 is Superman the Bronze Age. Um, so go check those out if you want to make sure you're caught up, because I'm not Superman. He's the big blue Boy Scout. He wears a giant red S on his chest in a triangle upside down triangle he comes from the planet krypton after his exploding planet uh you know blew up uh basically here you go uh um loving science uh uh desperate scientists dead planet loving farmers superman there you go that's all you need to know about the origin of superman and his various super friends um actually i do have a question for you before we dig too deep into this um I'd like to say the listeners of this podcast are my friends. I think they're my friends. I think you're all my friends. Definitely. But, but actually, do you think they're my super friends? I definitely think they are your super friends, but there's always ways that people can be more super. Oh, that's great news because I always worry about, you know, friendships and my best friends in my life. And I think we all worry about who our best friend is and what our relationship with our best friend is. And that's a part of the reason why I wrote my comic book series, Super Best Friend, which is returning mm. to Kickstarter on January 24th for its third and final issue at superbestfriendcomic.com. It's the series finale, everybody. Um, if you're unfamiliar with my comic, here's the scoop. Maddie Moore loves recording videos about superheroes. And unfortunately, he recorded a video that wrecked the life of his best friend, the world's greatest superhero, Captain Terrific. So now Maddie has to enter the fantastic world of heroes and villains to repair his friendship. So does the super best friend, Maddie Moore, have the power to defeat the citizen tyranny, the monstrous arch enemy who has taken advantage of the situation and save his best friend and save the relationship? Well, you'll have to read all three issues of the series to find out. And all three issues are available on the Kickstarter campaign for the next 30 days. There's an amazing variant cover by Green Arrow artist Phil Hester. It's one of my favorite artists of all time. We have an amazing cartoony dialogue cover by Sarah Liver. There's a tier to have yourself drawn into the comic book as a talking character. And there's a tier to have a Zoom call with me where I can give you advice on podcasting or chit-chatting and all this stuff like that. So go check out my new comic at Kickstarter at superbestfriendcomic.com. One of the best things about independent comic books is that you quickly learn that when it's not a comic book made by the big two, Marvel or DC, it is a labor of love. And this is my labor of love. This is my thoughts on Superman and basically friendship. And I hope you really, really enjoy it. Um, get over to superbestfriendcomic.com right now to go support Super Best Friend. And I really hope you enjoy my new comic. There you go. And I'm going to say that you will because I've read it and it's great. Have you read the last issue? I, don't uh, think I have not read it in its entirety, <laughs> but I've read early scripts of it. Oh, okay, there you go. All right. Well, it's time for us to drop into Superman the Dark Age. Okay. I can't wait for the story about when Superman takes over the world and becomes an evil president and how great everything's going to be. 
do you know about that storyline? <laughs> <laughs> yes, but it was also like the darkest thing I could think of. <laughs> oh, okay. I was like, I was like, I, I'm going to talk about that eventually. Okay, I assumed you would. <laughs> um, but I was kind of a surprise. I can't believe you actually know that story. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> so the big event that kicks off Superman's history in 1985, of course, is Crisis on Infinite Earths. Now, right before Crisis on Infinite Earths, uh, DC Comics let Alan Moore write supposedly the final Superman story. It's called Whatever Happened to the Man of Tomorrow. All-time great title. It's an amazing story, but it's very much the ending of Silver Age and Bronze Age Superman. So we're not going to talk about it here, but go check it out. It's great. It's a really, really great read. But we got to talk about Crisis on Earths, Ashley. We talked about it a lot on this podcast, but for somebody who has never listened, can you, in a very clear and and not very joking, but actually, <laughs> actually in a couple of sentences, explain what this event is and why it was such a massive game changer for Superman and DC comics. Can't believe you don't want me to do the joke. We always do. Well, you can throw the joke in there, but like, I, I just want to make, I understand. No, I understand look, completely. Some fan, some super fan might've come to this podcast and said, look, I don't care about the silver. Might've not been alive in 1985. I don't care about the bronze age. <laughs> I don't care about the golden age. I only care about the 1985 Superman. That's fine. That's a weirdly specific year to pick for Superman. I know that. Well, Jeffrey, I know you're very specific about that. And uh, I think you should expand your horizons, Jeffrey. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Uh, okay, so there were. I don't actually know a Jeffrey. So if you're out there. We know a listen, bunch of Jeffrey. Well, I don't know a Jeffrey. If you're a Jeffrey out there and I just uh, called you out, I apologize. But uh, you should expand your horizons, Jeffrey. It's a good thing to do. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, yeah. So DC had a multiverse. Uh-huh. A really messy multiverse that wasn't super clear editorially. So they I mean, had, it's in the title. It's in it's a thousands of these planets. They were it was Earth A, Earth B, mm -hmm. Earth Green, Earth Purple. It was really, really confusing. And what? so in a true sweep of genius, DC editorial said there are too many Earths. We just want one Earth. Mm -hmm. So they invented a big space monster called the Anti-Monitor to eat all the universes and create a single universe. Superman is a very key factor in that because there were two main versions of Superman. One was older and uh, regal yep. and one was younger and sexier. Mm -hmm. And they mostly threw in with the younger, sexier Superman. It was, and honestly, it was what it was. is It was the older Superman. It was the golden age Superman. Yes. And then the strongman Superman. And then the other Superman was the Superman that had lived through the silver and the bronze age. The death of golden age Superman mm -hmm. is very good. Well, uh, golden age Superman survives. Well, Silver Age Superman I, I call, is the one that dies. I call it the death because like everyone that character loves kind of get yeah, nerfed. Yeah. Um, but so uh, Superman and Batman and Wonder Woman got like soft reboots. They basically kept all the things that they liked about their, their various incarnations and made them into one character. Everybody else got a pretty hard reboot I'm gonna on one Earth. I'm going to slightly correct you there. That's fine. Batman is the only one who gets a soft sort of reboot. Because of Robin? Well, because of Jason Todd and because yeah. Batman's always popular. Wonder Woman got a hard reboot. So did Superman. Okay. So that's the thing about this is that basically everybody in the universe gets a hard Can reboot. I haven't written Wonder Woman the, the Bronze Age yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Which is what happens most of the time, yeah. to be fair. So, if, so for Superman, uh, thank you for clarifying, Jason. Mm -hmm. a, a blank slate. Yeah, basically, we are this point. Forward. We are blank slate Superman. We are back to the beginning. Everything you read before Crisis on Infinite Earths, not in continuity anymore. doesn't matter. And that's what made a lot of comic book fans mad 
because they were like, I've been reading Superman for years, and you're telling me that this adventure with Lana Lang doesn't matter anymore? Lois doesn't know he's Superman anymore? Well, Lois didn't know he was Superman in the Silver Age, but yes, I understand. But some versions In, in the Golden it. Age, yeah. uh, they were married. Yeah. So, after Crisis on Infinite Earths, DC chose John Byrne to reboot the Superman titles in 1986. Byrne was the popular artist of Marvel's The Uncanny X-Men, which he often co-plotted with Chris Claremont, and he'd also run what I written at the time, I was going to say one of the best runs of the Fantastic Four at the time. So they went to John Byrne and they said, remake Superman from scratch. So he rebooted everything and it's been called now that he has sort of marvelized Superman. Uh, this meant that he took Superman and he gave him down to earth human stories over the farcical scope of the silver and bronze age stories. Do you find it accurate to say that that's a marvelization of this character? Well, not really, but I will say that John Byrne very much was like, cause I, you're very familiar with John Byrne's work and his fantastic four work, which is why I'm interested in your opinion. Um, sort of Superman gets a lot of real world problems. Uh huh. He gets a lot of real relationships and i'm also going to talk about that as much as john Byrne stripped away the superman family yeah he also gave back superman one of the most important parts of his family uh i also am gonna 100 show my bias here that's fine this is my superman hey i love this origin mm-hmm I love the John Byrne stuff. Mm -hmm. So I'm a little biased towards this. That's fine. I, you know, so um, I don't know if I agree with that term, but that's a great question, Ashley. Thank um, you. So Superman, after the debut or after Christ's Infant Earth, the new Superman, the Dark Age Superman, debuted in a biweekly six-issue miniseries called The Man of Steel from October to December 1986. A lot of people think that this issue, Man of Steel 1, is the actual beginning of the Dark Age. Oh, interesting. They, they cite this issue as this is the start of the Dark Age. Versus Crisis on Infinite Earths yep. or the Dark Knight is what a lot of people because lay this, at the feet. Because they say that this is the start of the change mm, is Man of Steel. I mean, that's fair. Yeah, that's fair for mainline continuity. Very interesting. Mm -hmm. Now, this six-issue miniseries retold Superman's origin in key events from the following years culminating in Superman discovering his Kryptonian heritage before the DC universe present day. Superman was established as the last son of Krypton because John Byrne eliminated Supergirl, Crypto, Superwoman, and all the other various Kryptonians that have accumulated over the time. He was very much Superman is the only survivor of Krypton. He is the last son. Nobody else. Not made. the 50 other Kryptonians that yeah. are always floating around. The series also established this is a very important change that Superman Man's powers hadn't materialized until he hit puberty. Mm. So that eliminates, which is like mainline continuity now. Yeah. Well, sort of they see the, here's the thing. John Byrne did all this work humanizing Superman. And I feel like the last 40 years have been writers taking us back to the silver age. That's funny because I would definitely like, I would consider this, like I said, mainline continuity because mm -hmm. this is what the films do. Yes. So and like more people know from the films than they do from these yeah. comics. Well, in the film, uh, baby Superman shows up and could lift a truck. 
But in Man of Steel, he has the scene where he's freaking out in the school closet. That's true. But so, but yeah, super. So, so there is no super powered baby in this run. No, which negates all of his um, Superboy adventures. And this, exactly. John Byrne did not want him to be Superboy. I actually agree with that choice. John Byrne was right. Me too. He considered the Superboy stories of him dressing up in a tiny Superboy costume to be silly and goofy. And he was like, that was the first thing I decided to cut out. He was right. I think so. If anyone loves those also, it, it's just an opinion. Mm-hmm. No now, big deal. that of course made lots of continuity issues uh-huh. with the Legion of Superheroes and uh-huh. stuff like that. But John Byrne was like, I don't care. He's not Superboy. He doesn't. He's like, I'm not writing Legion of Superheroes. Yeah. I don't care. So he had a streamlined back to basics approach. And to be honest with you, it worked. Mm-hmm. Man of Steel sold like gangbusters. That book is still beloved. Those collections still. Oh, sell. I love it. Yeah, I love it because it was a perfect jumping on point. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of Burns most successful changes. And some people might argue that this is the greatest success of his Superman run was Lex Luthor. Mm-hmm. Lex Luthor. He turned from a mad scientist and made him into a rich and vicious capitalist, basing him off of a certain uh, person that used to be president. Telling the future of who we needed yep. to fear. He wanted, Lex <laughs> Luth- he wanted Lex Luthor to reflect the decades emphasis, the 80s, on selfish individualism. In many ways, some fans in the 1980s in letter columns remarked that this new Lex Luthor seemed to act a lot like Marvel's kingpin. Mm. Now, do you want to explain who Wilson Fisk, the Kingpin, is to anybody just in case they don't know? He's uh, He started as a Spider-Man villain. You mm-hmm. probably know him as Daredevil's big villain. Big bald man. He's a big evil crime boss yeah. in New York. Yeah. So in September of 1986, the month following the Man of Steel miniseries, the new continuity took over in Superman's ongoing titles, which were not published the previous month. And a third ongoing title was added for the occasion. So Superman Volume 1 was published under the title uh, since 1939, was renamed Adventures of Superman. This allowed DC to have a new Superman number one, that's what they call it, Superman Mm -hmm. Volume 2, which Byrne would write and pencil he would write in pencil both Superman Volume 2 and Action Comics while Marv Wolfman and Jerry Ordway handled Adventures of Superman. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, Superman number one, of course, was sort of seen as like, here's it's the main book, it's the adventure book. Action Comics was sort of seen as the Metropolis book mm-hmm. and Adventures of Superman was sort of seen as the team-up book. Mm-hmm. Um, another big change that John Byrne made was he decided that Superman is human first and he's alien second. Mm-hmm. because Superman spent most of the silver in the Bronze Ages bemoaning the loss of Krypton and noting how Earth just wasn't as cool as Krypton. Uh, so Byrne flipped that. He made Krypton a stranger to Superman. This is the Yeah, ver- well, considering he left us a baby, that would be the take to have. Yes, and this is the version that he, he introduced that Superman didn't figure out that he's Kryptonian until several years mm-hmm. into... He knew he was alien. Yeah. He just didn't know he was Kryptonian. Uh, Byrne is also the one that gave us the crystalline version of Krypton in the comic books for the first time. Uh, it was, of course, inspired by the Richard Donner movies, but his change was he gave us the Krypton where the people were in black suits with colors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that natural birth didn't happen on Krypton. Now, Ashley, mm. why is that important? Why is why is Superman being a product of biological birth and not genetic birth important? Is uh, was some movie pick up on that later or something like that? I don't know about this. 
I don't know what you're trying to get me to say. 2013's Man of Steel. Oh, I was like, this, I, I, sorry, I thought you were like driving to some larger cultural echo. And um, it also, it makes Superman a product of love and goodness mm-hmm. and, and, and human connection, which is something that we can understand. Unlike Damian Wayne, who was born in a now, test tube. <laughs> I will say in Burns' version, mm-hmm. Superman is also genetically made. He's not a product of mm-hmm. love. But like you can tell, I was going to say, like you can tell that, you know, this update of Krypton, because Krypton in the Silver Age was people wearing capes and they all wore hand, headbands and they all had the, Superman the, symbols. The Rainbow Mountains. This was gone. Yeah. Um, so Krypton was very... He wanted to make a Krypton that was desolate and harsh. Yeah, Super Age Krypton's full of hippies. Yes. Super, Super Age Krypton is a fun place to be. It is a fun place to be. Dark Age Krypton is very much like, oh, I understand why that planet blew up. Yeah, climate change. Um, so, <laughs> you know, since 1986, uh-huh. writers have flip-flopped on this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And in fact, I think in modern continuity, we are basically back to Silver Age Krypton. Ashley, I want to ask you. Mm. What is your favorite version? We might have talked about this question before, but I'm going to ask you again. Do you prefer Silver Age headband Krypton or do you prefer the desolate, dark kind of genetic Krypton? Okay, the part of me that like was a little girl who played with Barbies and dolls. Mm -hmm. Like I love the aesthetics of Silver Age Krypton. I love everybody in the stupid headbands wearing the Superman symbols and their cult, their white culty robes. It's a fun look. Like it's it's like to see the art like makes me like giggle and stuff. I do think desolate krypton rejecting science is more compelling um not only because it's a reflection of our world but i just think it's more compelling for dramatic storytelling i think it shows them as a dead society um their society is crumbling i also understand getting rid of all the other supers oh i love it um he is the last son of krypton as much as i love the superman family he's the last son of krypton if it were me i'd keep crypto and i'd I'd nerf everyone else oh well crypto does i think crypto comes back in like 20 years supergirl is actually the one that comes back the quickest yeah and it's not like i've never enjoyed a supergirl story um but like i would i would keep krypton and a crypto and i think i'd nerf the rest of them (laughs) so i know i just said that krypton is the big change yeah here is actually and Lex Luthor was the change. Again, John Byrne impacted Superman. He's still impacting Superman to this day. Yeah. 40 years later. This is the best change. Okay. And the biggest change that John Byrne made. He made Lois Lane a superhero. Yeah. And what I mean by that is he completely recharacterized Lois Lane. Well, she was a bit of a damsel before that. Uh, and I want to set this up because over at Marvel, actually you might know this, John Byrne was the person that got rid of the Invisible Girl title for Sue Storm. And he was the one that renamed her Invisible Woman. Yeah. And he decided to do the exact same thing for Lois Lane. He gave her modern sensibilities. He made her no longer a damsel of distress. And often in many of the stories, Lois Lane is so resourceful that she doesn't need to be rescued by Superman. In fact, this is one of my favorite things. He made her a badass army brat. Yeah. And now you are, and I apologize for this term, but it's just... I don't take any offense to that term. You were an army brat. What's an army brat? in case anybody doesn't know. Uh, it's the child of a military family. So you move around a lot. Yeah, everyone also thinks that you're like tough and mean because they assume mm-hmm. that your parents are tough and mean and mm-hmm. like not the case. Yeah. I am neither tough nor mean. Well, uh, <laughs> Lois but, Lane, tough, not mean. But you fall, like you have a, you share that trait with Lois Lane. I do. You know, and Lucy. Yeah. Now, um, I think that this change to Lois is the greatest and probably most important change that has ever happened in the entirety of Superman's history because it made Lois 
and equal. You love Lois Lane. I do love Lois Lane and I love Lois Lane. I'm going to say this right now. I have a lot of buy because of John Byrne, because I can remember the moment reading the Man of Steel miniseries mm -hmm. when I was a kid. And uh, I didn't read it in 1986, obviously. I probably read it in like 1994. Yeah. Um, but, <laughs> but. Jason, you look great for your mid-50s. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I look pretty good for 55. I'm not 55. <laughs> um, uh, but no offense to anybody that is 55. No, no, I heard it's no. a great vintage. No. <laughs> but I remember reading that miniseries and I remember the switch flipping in my head and being like, Oh, this is why Lois matters. Mm -hmm. um, do you would you do you agree with this? Do you, is there a more important change in the entire eighty years, eighty five years? It's gonna be eighty five years uh, this year. Yeah, it's eighty five years this year. And I can't do math in, in the eighty five years of Superman. Then Lois Lane becoming his equal. Yes. More important? No. If I was going to point to something else that I think is important in his history, I'd be like, it's John. It's mm -hmm. it's the idea of a family with three people. But here's the thing. With this being, with this change happening in 86, we are almost at the point. We're about two or three years away from this. We are almost at the point of Lois having been this for about the equal amount of time as, as she was as the damsel. Yeah, as yeah, she yeah, was the yeah, yeah. It'll almost be exactly equal in about 2026. That's cool. Yeah. That's very cool. Yeah. Hopefully no one takes her back. <laughs> There's <laughs> well, still time. It's almost the same thing as like um, this year. Uh, and I've said, mentioned this several times. Uh, 2023 is exactly the halfway point. Dick Grayson has now been Nightwing as long as he was Robin. That's wild to yeah. think about. Yeah. 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 Which is like, Kind of head blowing, like you're the baby's you know? all grown up. Yeah. Uh, so, all right, we're gonna learn some more subtle changes to the Man of Steel, everybody, about his origin and especially his first meeting with Batman. How that went in this new timeline after this. This is the smell of a warm three-day-old egg salad sandwich in a wimpy trash bag. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy. Blech. And this is the smell of that same sandwich in a hefty, ultra-strong trash bag with new Fabuloso Lemon Scent. Hefty, hefty, hefty! <sighs> smell the difference? When life gives you stinky, get Hefty Ultra Strong with new Fabuloso Lemon Scent. It smells like clean, freshly picked lemons. So no matter what's inside your trash, you can stop the stink and smell the lemon. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Geek History Lesson, we are back. We are talking about Superman and the Dark Age. That, of course, is a period from 1985 to 2000. And we're breaking down some of the changes that John Byrne made to the origin of Superman in this reboot. First thing, Ashley, mm. before we get to talk about Batman, mm. you know, Batman's obsessed with his parents. Batman. We got to talk about the parents of Superman. 
And another change that John Byrne made is that Mom and Pa Kent were alive. Woo! They're not dead. Woo! Clark Kent now had a family that he could frequently visit with his parents back in Kansas whenever he needed some advice or a piece of rhubarb pie. Whenever he wanted to fly back from New York. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, Metropolis, Ashley, <laughs> have we determined if you like mom, pa, Kent, dead in the ground, rotting away, or alive and loving their son? Which one do you like? You and I, I think I've had this discussion four or five times. I don't care. I don't know if you and I ever consistently give the same answer. I don't know. And if you listen to the big mega bonus episode that we put out, it'll be funny to hear if we flip flop. I think now mm-hmm. I like them better alive. Mm-hmm. Both of them alive. Or at least Ma has to be Ma alive. Ma has to be alive. Yeah. yeah. How about you? Uh, I kind of think that Pa should be dead and Ma should be alive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is what I kind of think it should be. But Ma's got to be alive. Yeah. I think. That's like the line you But I cross. like I like Pa and Ma being alive that he can fly home to and talk to. Yeah. I do think that's neat. I think it's neat. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so one big change since there was no Superboy in this timeline is that Superman sort of has a lost years moment a la Bruce Wayne where there is a period of like six to seven years. It's, His it's, Jesus period. Yes, where he sort of wanders the world being a reporter. Doing whatever. Yeah, and yeah. going to college uh, remotely. Through, originally Wait, through the mail. Do we know his alma mater? The way we know, like, Dick Grayson went to Hudson U and Batman went everywhere. If you don't know, if you don't have the notes, it's fine. Um, the only reason we know about Dick and Hudson U is because it's been brought up so much in continuity. I believe it's Metropolis. but That I, would make sense. Metropolis but I, U. But I also believe it has changed uh, You know what? You're times. teaching, so I can do some Googling. Um, a lot of people say, like, isn't there journalism at K-State? It should be a Kansas University, but I do not think it is. Um, I think it has changed several times. Um, so, you know, if you Smallville go- High School and Metropolis University. I, I was right. So it was Metropolis There you go. University. According to uh, a, a, a very quick search of DCComics.com. I do know, though, that through a lot of it, it was through the mail. And then now, since it's been updated, they said like, oh, it was online classes. Uh, yeah, I have no I have no doubt also that the name of that university has changed. But mm-hmm. right now, the official answer, yes, is uh, Metropolis. You and Jason was right. Yes. So after that time, mm-hmm. he's, you know, he's gotten his college degree. Um, you know, he's sort of just working jobs. He's wearing civilian clothes. He's not Superman yet. Yeah. He is in Metropolis. And during this, he prevents the crash of an experimental space plane while wearing his plane clothes in Metropolis. Space plane. Now he reveals his existence to the public. And on that plane is Miss Lois Lane who Mm -hmm. sees him. And the two start to connect when a grateful mob of people surround them. Clark, unable to deal with the sudden tension and people pulling at his plain clothes because he's got to protect his threads, he flies away to consult with his parents. And in order to preserve Clark's privacy, Jonathan suggests that Clark's Clark adopts, excuse me, adopts a secret identity. And Martha makes the Superman costume based on the blanket that was wrapped around him in um you know uh in the in the rocket in the capsule yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. and in this origin pa and ma create the s the superman s it is not a symbol from krypton i like that you said capsule because we also spent all of batman the bronze age talking about the capsule in his belt and now mm-hmm. i want to think that there's a teeny tiny superman in batman's yeah. belt <laughs> now it has been adjusted later on in this same time period that the s comes from krypton i hate that um, I actually it's like an that. S. I actually like that, but I like the idea that Ma makes this costume out of the. Blanket. I think it's sweet. Yeah. Um, now I will say that during this time period, during this time period, it depends on where you read. Yeah, yeah. 
some people think that his origin is rebooted twice during this time period. That is rebooted in Superman Birthright and Superman Secret Origin. Mm. I'm not going to deal with either of those because they happen post 2000. Yeah. Um, but, you know, if I were to incorporate any of them into this, I would incorporate Superman Birthright. So there you go. Now we're going to talk about Superman's first meeting with another modern superhero, which is Batman. Let's do it. Um, so Superman hears about this Batman. Mm -hmm. He flies to Gotham City mm -hmm. and is basically like, I'm going to arrest you. <laughs> Batman's like, the hell you are. Batman's solution to this is Clark Kent. <laughs> he says, I have planted a bomb on an innocent civilian in Gotham City. And if you try to arrest me, I will set it off. You will kill an innocent person if you try to arrest me. Some big villain behavior there, Batman. Yep. Um, so Superman goes, holy, oh, gee, golly. <laughs> I don't know how to deal with this. I don't know how to swear. <laughs> and Batman is like, look, you think these crimes were made by me. These crimes were made by a villain named Magpie. Mm. Help me find her and I will disarm the bomb. But I will not disarm the bomb until Magpie is arrested. So Superman's like, okay, giga. You know, and so they, they team up. They arrest Magpie and Superman goes, okay, I didn't forget about this bomb. Where is this bomb? Batman goes, there is no bomb. Batman pulls the bomb out of his utility belt and says, it was on me the entire time. Mm. I would not risk anybody else's life, but I knew I had to threaten you to get you to not be stupid and take me to jail, Superman. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Batman should be in jail, but. <laughs> and so that is their first meeting. Interesting. In this continuity. Uh, Superman would also have his first encounters with Azeroth, Bloodsport, The Circle, The Fearsome Five, Chemo, Rampage, Mr. Missile Picklick, and The Silver Banshee. During these early adventures, Superman often found himself pitted against Lex Luthor, who vowed to destroy the hated alien and reclaim his place as the first son of Metropolis. S Luthor also, during the John Byrne run, uh, ran a computer program to figure out Superman's secret identity. The computer said 100% certainty that Clark Kent was Superman, and Luthor dismissed it because he rationalized that no one with the power of Superman would ever pretend to be a boob like Clark Kent. Do you think AI art sources would know that it was Clark Kent? Yes, 100%. 100%. <laughs> Uh, then after this, John Byrne, after three years of writing, uh, two writing and drawing two Superman titles, yeah, yeah, yeah. uh, he decided that his time with Superman was over and he began writing his final storyline. It has later been revealed in later interviews that John Byrne said that the entire Superman experience was terrible mm -hmm. because he had to get so many parts of it, uh, approved by corporate overlords. And he has actually said in an interview that he did about two or three years ago, that if he could go back and change, he would have never done Superman. Wow. He would have stayed on Marvel. He said, that's how terrible it was. So I'm going to say this, that to me, it's amazing that this run turned out as good as it did with all of this corporate chaos. oversight yeah, and yeah, chaos. Yeah, yeah. And well, we've seen editorial meddling take down big events and big mm -hmm. uh, changes before at DC and yeah. Marvel. Well, the fact that it, came out this good i think is whatever you think about john byrne and you know i know um the creator in recent years has become problematic mm -hmm. he's still super talented as a writer yes yeah. so i would have liked to have seen what his unfiltered run would have been mm -hmm. so his finale on superman is a storyline that might kind of sound familiar to some people so a young lex luther from a pocket universe mm -hmm. this is how we get around the multiverse uh-huh uh, that resembled the pre-crisis on infinite earth earth one he accidentally released in his universe general zod feora and quex all three kryptonian criminals 
from the Phantom Zone. They got loose, and in this pocket dimension, they decimated their Earth, that Earth, and killed millions. So this young Lex Luthor came to the main DC Universe mm-hmm. Earth and said, Superman, please help. So Superman went there. Did he have hair? What? Did Lex Luthor have hair? Uh, I believe so. He had a beard as well. Yeah, oh, cool. Um, this Superman fought the three of them mm-hmm. for a couple of issues. They almost kicked his butt several times. Mm-hmm. And Superman basically realized that he could not stop them on his own. And he didn't see any way that he could stop three Kryptonians, imprison three Kryptonians. So he decided basically that he was like, I'm going to give them the choice. I'm going to give them the choice to surrender Mm -hmm. or I'm going to have to kill them. Mm -hmm. So Superman's solution to, to kill them was that he was like, I would take green kryptonite from their earth. The green kryptonite, of course, classically in a lot of stories, won't hurt him because he's not from that earth. Yeah. So he basically stood in front of the three of them and said, surrender. Mm-hmm. Go to the Phantom Zone willingly, or I'm going to open this box and kill the three of you. They, of course, being villains, said, ah, you're not going to open that box. Superman opened the box. But Jason, Superman doesn't kill people. Yeah, uh, well. He could have flown them to the moon. This version, this Superman killed them. Mm-hmm. Uh, They all three died Mm -hmm. on the Kryptonian box and this weighed very heavily on Superman. Now, you know, it could be argued that Superman killed Doomsday or whatever, but for my, my, in my head canon, this is the only time the Superman of the Dark Age kills. Mm. So actually, I'm going to ask the question and still brought this up. Should Superman kill? First of all, Batman kills a lot more people, especially when you think about the collateral damage. Um, like Batman will drop someone off a roof and not see if they make it or not. Also, when you think about how many buildings Superman has gone through, yeah, people have died in Metropolis. Yeah, yeah. I think. But should Superman in this, like, well, let's say in this story, was Superman right to kill those criminals to open that box? He gave them the choice mm-hmm. to surrender, and they did not. I mean, that's a big moral question. <laughs> um, I, look, this is comic books with comic book logic. Yes. So I'm going to say, yes, mm-hmm. that's fine. Superman killing, I understand that that's a gray area because we want to preserve this sort of innocent big blue boy scout. Like Wonder mm-hmm. Woman kills people. Yeah, She's with a sword. A Greco-Roman style mm-hmm. warrior. She slaughters people. That's the gig. Um, I don't have an issue with Superman killing characters. Mm-hmm. I think what's compelling about Superman killing characters is the anguish that he suffers as a result of it, he which is surf- something we're going to talk a lot about that, which is something that we wouldn't want to see from Batman or Deadpool or Harley Quinn, like some other characters who are arguably uh, more popular right now mm-hmm. in the larger sphere. Um, I just think if you're going to, if you're going to pull the trigger of having Superman kill someone, it, it has to serve a story purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think this does serve a story purpose. So Superman decided after what he'd done that he had to leave Earth and he began a self-imposed exile in space. And this led to the very famous Superman exile Mm storyline where he grows a beard, flies around space and becomes a barbarian for about six months. Yep. Uh, As a result of several adventures in outer space, Superman was captured by the artificial gladiator planet War World, which might sound familiar, and encountered its ruler Mongol for the first time. Now, Mongols is a big yellow kind of bald alien who just likes to punch people a lot. Superman was pitted in a gladiatorial match against Draga in the arena when he refused to kill Draga and was and was forced to fight Mongol instead. Superman rallied the other gladiatorial fighters in his aid and Superman beat Mongol and disposed them as the warlord's leader. And Superman 
bequeathed his throne to Draga, the guy who didn't kill. Having found peace with executing Zod and saving these criminal, Superman finally returned to Earth. Can I ask you a question? Yes. Do you think Mongol is a character who should go away? Having a yellow villain named Mongol feels a little racist. Um, I'm going to say that because that character has appeared in enough storylines mm-hmm. that I think it has moved past mm-hmm. any of the yellow um, scare under which it was created. Correct. Correct. I do. I, I think the character has been around long yeah. enough and has been in enough storylines that I'm I like, think maybe we could rename them. I don't know. Uh, Yeah. But you know, that I understand, I understand your terms, but yeah. I think that character has moved past that initial mm-hmm. thing. So I'm going to say no. I don't think he should go away. Okay. Um, I actually think he should probably appear in a Superman movie, but I will say that maybe they should rename him for a said movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, so this led after the storyline, Superman's return led to the Triangle Error Era, not Error of Superman comic books, which some have named the Peak. Of Superman comic books. Some including one Jason Inman? Um, I'm going to say yes, but we're going to talk about that a little bit more. Okay. Starting in 1991 and following for the next decade, the various Superman monthly comic books featured triangles on their covers with a number. Yes. These numbers denoted the order of the story inside, with the book more and more bleeding into each other's plot. So basically we had four Superman books and a fifth uh, by uh, quarterly book that would each have a serialized stories line. Yeah, they make it really hard when you're trying to sort comics. Yep, which resulted <laughs> in a time period where every issue of every Superman book was as important or an individual chapter of the book. So, Ashley, um, I'm going to ask, can you name the four monthly books of the Triangle Era? And I will give you a bonus point if you can name the fifth quarterly book. It's actually five books, but can you name the main four? Superman. Correct. Action Comics. For yeah, I will give it to you. Actually, the, t- the title this time period was Superman in Action Comics, okay. but yeah, it's Action Comics. Yes, correct. Uh, Man of Steel. Mm, it's actually Superman colon the Man of Steel, but okay. yes, correct, correct. You are correct. <laughs> <laughs> What's the fourth one? I have said it previously in this podcast. I want to be like the World of Krypton or the Man of Tomorrow. What was the team up book that I mentioned earlier in this podcast that was written by Marv Wolfman and Jerry Ordway? Superman and friends? Nope. Superman family? Nope. <laughs> Superman the Brave and the Bold? They're actually bringing back this book with the same exact title this year, too. Superman friends? Nope. <laughs> I don't know. I got nothing. The Adventures oh, the of adventures Superman. The Adventures of Superman. Um, and can you name the fifth book? I sure can't. Lois Lane. Nope. Should have been Lois Lane. It was called Superman the Man of Tomorrow. Didn't I say the Man of Tomorrow? No, you did not. Okay. <laughs> Listen back. If I did, let me know. Yep. So the creators behind the Triangle Era were many. They included names as Dan Jurgens, John Bogg, Roger Stern, Jerry Ordway, Louise Simonson, and and too many others to note. One whole woman. Powerhouses. Yes, one whole woman. Uh, so, you know, the greatest asset of this period that these creators that they took many chances is that they created a robust supporting cast. So not only did we get Lois Lane and Perry White, the editor of the Daily Planet, and Jimmy Olsen as best friend, but this is also the period that introduced 
even though she'd existed before, but it made her a real character. Cat, Cat Grant. Steve Lombard. The Gossam College. Well, Steve Lombard was before. Uh, Steve. Maggie Sawyer, the oh, chief yeah. of police. Uh, Jose Delgado, who mm-hmm. some people would know as Gangbuster. Bibbo Bibowski. You the, love a Bibbo. The bartender of the ASO clubs. Professor Emil Hamilton comes from this era. Uh, and also the Matrix Supergirl shows up in this area mm. as also Lewis Lane. And I'm going to also say one of the most important additions to the supporting cast of Superman, Ronald Troop. I love Ron Troop. He's getting a bit of a he's had a little bit of a resurgence the last yep. five or so he, years. He is the replacement reporter. He first showed up in the death of Superman when Clark Kent was gone. He was the he was Clark's replacement. Yeah. Um, and he's an amazing addition to uh, the Superman supporting cast. The other thing that this period of time did was it introduced super subplots. So this period of time mastered the art of the subplot of B stories, such as Jimmy Olsen's uh, ongoing unemployment. Uh-huh. Cause Jimmy gets fired dur- from the daily planet during this period. Uh, he, Jimmy also becomes uh, unhoused during this neighborhood. Um, Perry White's, uh, the death of his wife, mm. Perry White's cancer. Uh, Bibbo Babowski wins the lottery during this period of time. And like, what does he do with that money is a very interesting, but all of these things allowed the cast of Metropolis to really expand in a way that he had never, this is also the period of Superman time that they started naming the neighborhoods. Yeah. 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 Um, like their science square and their, um, unfortunately it, it has been renamed since. I don't know what it's been renamed, but for the time of this, it was called Suicide Slums, yep. which I know is not a very appropriate term to use nowadays. Uh, but um, that was originally, before it was retconned that he was part of Smallville, this was originally, the, that was originally the neighborhood that Lex Luthor was from. It was also um, retconned that that was where um, Black Lightning moved to. Yes, yes, yes. But probably the biggest thing they did during this time period was that Lois and Clark started dating Lois lost her infatuation with Superman. She started dating Clark and very quickly they got engaged. And once they got engaged, Clark revealed his secret identity to Lois Lane. Um, But before they got married, they had to do the one thing that every couple does. Fight Doomsday? Nope. One of the spouses has to die. (laughs) Uh, So, you know, we just recently talked about this. He was supposed to retire tomorrow. In episode 439, Death of Superman. So go to listen to that. Um, Ashley, I am going to ask you, can you sum up the Death of Superman, the giant event that changed comics forever in just a couple of sentences, even though we are telling, hey, everybody go listen to GHL 439. But like, why was Death of Superman important and what important things happened in it? Uh, well, it was important because it was the first time that one of these mainstream characters was killed in a mainstream way versus mm-hmm. something like Crisis and on Infinite Earths. not an imaginary or one-off Right, issue. exactly. Like, for real. So, like, this made actual newspapers, not just, like, comic mm-hmm. book Superman number like, 75. Um, Doomsday is this big monster from space, right? With spiky bones. He's uh, gonna come to Earth and mess things up. And who can fight him but Superman? Mm-hmm. And so Superman does, and he wins, and he dies. That's correct. He they basically and they punch have a each, funeral for a friend. They punch each other to death. They have a funeral for a friend. He dies on the steps of his day job yep, at the Daily the Planet, Planet in Lois Lane's arms. And eventually, we are introduced to four replacement Superman: Superboy, the clone, uh, John Henry Irons, the Iron Superman, Man of Steel, the Eradicator, which is a Kryptonian program that looks like Superman with with yellow Mr. Glasses, Gold glasses, and Cyborg, Cyborg Superman, Superman, which is a villain that looks like a cyborg. Superman. Very Terminator inspired. So Superman, if you actually found out that he was not dead, he was sort of just 
Sleeping. Sleeping comatose for a while. He came back with longer hair and Superman was back, baby. And when he came back, did he get married to Lois Lane? Nope. Because he had to bring Clark Kent back to life, silly. <laughs> She's married to only... Su- Do you, Superman, mm-hmm. take Lois Lane <laughs> as so, your waffle-headed wife? So Superman, with the help of the shape-shifting Supergirl, who at the time was not Kara Zor-El. Matrix Supergirl. Uh, she is actually from that pocket universe. <laughs> she, she's a shapeshifter. Um, they managed to come up with a plausible way of resurrecting Clark Kent, who had not been seen since Superman's death. Necromancy! So, <laughs> I wish. A Lazarus! <laughs> <laughs> that would have been good. They uh, just open nope. up the Necronomicon nope. and Bruce Campbell's like, am I Superman? Vrato, <laughs> vrato, no, Supergirl took Clark's form and Superman proceeded to find Clark in the rubble of destroyed building from the doomsday mm-hmm. fight. Jimmy got a picture of Superman and Clark side by side. No, it's a, it's a good gag. Proving to the world <laughs> that they were not the same person. It's like, wow, they really have the same jawline. Yeah. So after that, uh, Ashley, do you think uh, at this point, here's Clark Kent back from the dead and Superman's secret identity is safe. Do you think at this point that he married Lois Lane? Absolutely not. Nope. Because he had to deal with conduit. And I'm not talking about an electrical conduit. I'm talking about the supervillain conduit. And we're going to find out about conduit right after this. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chabacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chabacasino.com welcome to the family vgw group no purchase necessary void where prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus it is ryan here and i have a question for you what do you do when you win like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, everybody. We're back. Geek Cash Lesson, we're back. We're digging into Superman's conduit era, his dark age, the triangle era of his stories. And we're talking about a man named Conduit. Ashley, do you know who Condiment Con, Condiment King? Do you know who Conduit King is? <laughs> Conduit King, when he was a little baby, he was in his basement and he had a little toy fork like you give to babies mm-hmm. and he stuck it into an electrical outlet because he was a stupid baby. And he, uh, and he got electric powers as a result. Uh, no, incorrect. Uh, actually, what's going to start off this is action figure spotlight. An action figure spotlight. There is a conduit action figure. Do you have it? I do not have it. Okay. Uh, they've only made one. I was trying uh, to, I was like racking my brain. I was like, there's no way Jason has this thing. No, I, I, I so in the 90s, there was a series of toys that were called 
Superman Man of Steel. And the coolest thing about them is that they would put this giant S shield on top. And they it was the first time they made a Superboy action figure and a Superman action figure. And they made a conduit action figure. You'll see him with his black mask and his yellow uh, conduits. He's all very over. yellow. Yes. And uh, they made a conduit. I believe it's the only conduit action figure they've ever made. Wow. So, conduit is actually a man known as Kenny Braverman. Kenny do it. Kenny Braverman is a childhood friend and rival of Clark Kent. Of course he is. He was born on the same exact day as the rocket landed in Smallville. He uh, sounds like the kind of kid who would be the high school quarterback and then would just go like work at his dad's farm shop, you know? He is. And never leave Smallville. He is. Uh, Kenny and Clark played together in Smallville High School sports baseball. I mean, did they football. play together or did they like play together? No, they just played. They, they didn't did. kiss? That's disappointing. And there's no kissing. There's no kissing in Smallville. <laughs> it's too pure. Look, I happen to know what you and I think Clark and Lois got up to and there was kissing in Smallville. There was no, well, when Lois was there, sure. Or I mean, Lana is what I meant. Sorry, uh, not no. Lois. <laughs> there's no, there's, there's no, no kissing There's no kissing in Smallville. Smallville. There's no crying in baseball. There's no kissing in you th- Smallville. You thrash the wheat, you eat the <laughs> rhubarb pie and you look at the stars. <laughs> That's no, it. There's no kissing in Smallville. <laughs> Uh, unless it's your small on the CW. Then there's lots of kissing. So all of those sports were dominated by Clark because Kenny was jealous and he became jealous and more jealous of Clark. And while Clark was in college, Kenny volunteered to be experimented on in the CIA. Like you do. When and he was in high school? I When he was caught, when they were oh, college. Oh, I'm so sorry. I was like, I said when they were college. <laughs> no. Kenny volunteered to be experimented upon in the CIA, and he got radiation powers. I'm shocked. And he became, his uh, CIA codename was Conduit. Conduit. And after several years, he decided to go rogue from the CIA. And what do you do when you go rogue from the CIA? Fight Superman. No, you decide, I'm going to beat up the people that I went to high school with. I mean, it's a vibe, I understand. So he attacked Clark Kent. His best friend. No, they were not best friends. <laughs> they were rivals. I know. But he did not expect to be attacked by Superman. Mm. So Because he did not know they were the same man, of course. And eventually, Conduit figured out that Clark Kent was also Superman. Mm. And he began a campaign <laughs> to kill Clark in a storyline called the death of Clark Kent. Mm. So Conduit tried to kill Pete Ross and Lana Lang. Not Pete Ross. Yep. Poor Pete Ross. The, the uh, you know, Clark Kent's best friends from high school, mm-hmm. but Superman saved them both. And when Superman confronted Conduit, Conduit had went directly to the Kent farm and destroyed it. Wow. And Superman thought his parents were there. So he was like, oh crap, Conduit just killed my parents. Then after the destruction of the conduit, the Kent farm conduit went to Lois Lane's apartment and blew it up. So now Clark thinks that Lois is dead. Uh, And Clark and his rage decided that because of him being Superman, his family died, Lois died and he ripped off his suit and he incinerated it with his heat vision and he went into hiding so that no one else would get hurt. Superman no more. Yes. And he became a lumberjack slash logger named Mac McGivney. Hot. He was like, I want to be Wolverine, so I'm going to do it. Yes. He became Mac McGivney. You see, when you need logs, you call Mac McGivney. Next year on the CW at 10, 9 Central. <laughs> Ashley, what do you call a logger who's ripped? Mac McGivney? Lumberjacked. <laughs> 
Oh my God. You watch, Get out. Watch Mac McGivney this summer on the CW at 10, 9 central. <laughs> Ashley, how can you tell if a lumberjack is lousy? Is lousy? Is lousy. I don't know. He has a lot of accidents. Get out. Out. Mac McGivney this summer on CW at 10, play, 9 Central. Who plays Mac McGivney? <laughs> who cares? It's my question. Uh, anyways, uh, Conduit eventually tracked down Mac McGivney on his CW time slot. <laughs> and Conduit challenged Superman to a one-on-one battle in a mock version of Smallville. And during his rage fight, Conduit self-destructed himself with radiation poisoning. I'm really stuck on the detail of a mock version of Smallville. Like he's bizarro and he's built his play version of Smallville for them to play fight in. He did. (laughs) That's he did. That's very silly. I know we're talking about superheroes, so everything is silly, Mm -hmm. but that is very silly. (laughs) Uh, After the fight, Superman learned that the Kents and Lois had actually not been killed and that they had faked their own deaths to survive and and hide. Too bad they didn't call Clark at all. Uh, And Clark (laughs) reunited with his parents and questioned whether or not he needed a secret identity. However, after a conversation with Lois put things in perspective, he realized how much he would give up by not being Clark Kent. Yeah, him and DC Editorial always questioning whether or not we need a secret identity. Uh, So, Ashley, I wanted to ask you if you thought that this would be if the conduit storyline or a version of the storyline, maybe with the Mac McGivney parts, uh, (laughs) would be an interesting plot line to adapt for a future Superman television show or a Superman movie. Not a movie. Why not? I think it'd be an interesting movie. I, I it couldn't be movie one. I disagree. Mm. Um, I think it'd be an interesting storyline for the Superman and Lois television I'm, show. I do. I do think it would be good for a television show. I'm, I'm really tired of the trope and maybe this is what popularized the trope. Um, I think of Godspeed when I think of this trope, I'm really sick of the trope where, character who's the lead of the show has a best friend that you've never heard of. Hush does this Hush too, does this, that yeah. you've never heard of before mm-hmm. who, because of X reason gets X superpower mutation, accident, revenge quests, etc., and learns that best friend is actually superhero. They blame like, I just don't like, I don't care for this trope, which is why I wouldn't want to see it in a movie. Mm-hmm. I think it w- could be better told in a longer form, like television, because you could introduce, uh, what's his name? Kenny Johnson or whatever. Kenny Braverman. Kenny Braverman. That's right. It's like, a, it's such a quarterback last name. Um, you could introduce this character in, uh, season four and then have him become conduit in season six. I know the CW would make him conduit in episode two, but I think if you earned the relationship between these two characters, then the twist and the betrayal would echo a little bit more, but it's just not a superhero trope uh, that I'm really into. Here's what I just would, my bias. Here's what I would do. Okay. I would show us conduit mm-hmm. and I would show us Kenny Braverman, mm-hmm. but I would wait five or six episodes mm-hmm. in now, comic book fans would know. Of course. But I would not let the regular audience confirm that they're both the same person. Yeah. And I would even maybe even do a red herring to where Conduit shows up in a scene that Kenny Braverman is there. So you would play it a little more like Adrian in Arrow. You might want to explain that to some of our listeners, but yes. So in season five of mm-hmm. Arrow, we got introduced to a new contemporary of Oliver Queen, who was his buddy named Adrian. Who- he was a district attorney. 
who turned out to be the series long villain mm-hmm. Prometheus, but they did a really good job at throwing up red herrings where you were pretty sure that it was him, but they didn't confirm it until right near the end of the well, season. They entered that has a different, a different complication and it's going to take us down a weird. Yeah. Yeah. Road. Yeah. But I mean, you would, you're advocating doing something more like that. Yes. To not absolutely. Confirm. Yeah, yes. yeah. 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 Uh, so he's got his life back. Mm-hmm. He's got his parents back. Mm-hmm. He's got Lois back. Mm-hmm. You think this is the time for him to get married? I'm going to say no. Nope. <laughs> he's not going to get married. But what he is going to do is he's going to write some novels. Oh, yeah. Because a really cool thing about Clark Kent in the 90s is that Clark Kent was a novelist. Mm-hmm. He did that as a hobby. And there is a very cool one shot called Superman Under a Red Sun, a novel by Clark Kent. It's by John Francis Moore. This is a prestige format one shot that reads as a novel written by Clark Kent. And I'm going to tell you, it kind of comes off as a um, sort of like John, a Jack Ryan sort of story. Uh, it deals with the mild manners reporter's frustrations with his job, his earning power, and his rewardless fight for truth, justice, in the American way. And one fun fact during the storyline is there's a point where he goes to a, like, event or a party, I'm kind of unsure, with Lex Luthor and, um, and Lex tells him that he thought his latest novel was a step down. But <laughs> That's shady. The ape. <laughs> fact that Lex Luthor reads Clark Kent's novels, I think is so funny. But um, it's out of print. I have a print of this. Uh-huh. Um, it is an amazing thing. You I, can find it on the second. It's not impossible yeah, to find. It's literally in I'm this I'm looking room. at it right now. Yeah, um, I'll share a picture of it. Um, yeah, share a picture of it online, Ashley. But it is it is a thing that I, I like that Clark Kent's hobby is writing novels. I think that's really cool. And I think that's an, a fact that I would that I think is forgotten in um, DC Comics. Well, DC Comics can hire you to ghostwrite Clark Kent's novels at any time. Oh, I would love it. Also, during this idea uh, or this music during this period of time, Superman becomes one of the big seven charter members of the newly reformed JLA. This is one of the uh, the big seven Justice League with Grant Morrison, and Howard Part- Porter. We recommend this run endlessly. It's one of the best, if not the best time of Justice League history. Uh, and then after forming an, a cool work team to hang out with, um, he finally has time to marry Lois Lane. Finally. It's almost the millennium. So I'm going to tell you about their wedding. Their mm-hmm. first wedding in actual continuity DC Comics. So Lucy Lane, sister of the bride, throws Lois a bridal shower and a bachelorette party, while Clark has his bachelor party thrown at the Ace of Clubs run by who, Ashley? The Ace of Clubs, Bibbo. Bibbo Bibowski. I like the idea that Lucy takes Lois to a uh, adult entertainment facility where mm-hmm. people are dressed up like Superman. Yep. That is very funny to me. Uh, yeah, so Lucy Lane is uh, the maid of honor. Mm-hmm. Who does Clark choose as his best man? Jimmy. Jimmy Olsen, you are correct, Ashley. Um, Batman later shows up during the wedding and uh, he gives like, Cl- Clark. Why didn't you make me your best man? Uh, I'm he, so sad. He gives Clark two wedding gifts. The first one is a, a wet kiss on the mouth. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> uh, no, he gives him a new axe for when Clark is pretending <laughs> to be Mac McGivney. <laughs> I know a thing or two about disappearing into the woods. <laughs> yes, exactly. I sharpened it for you. <laughs> Next time you want to pretend to be Wolverine, here's a sharp axe. <laughs> <laughs> and, a, and a new plaid shirt. No, actually, it gives him two gifts. The first gift is, is that he ensures that the Just League will protect Metropolis so that Clark can enjoy his honeymoon. That's actually that's sweet. And the second gift is... A million dollars. Is that it is... No, it is... Should re- give him a million dollars? It's Yeah, he should have, but it, here's the thing. Bruce reveals that there was an apartment building where 
Lois really wanted to rent because they Lois and Clark had decided it's time to give up our bachelor pads. pads. Yeah, we're we, married. We should rent a new apartment together. Mm-hmm. Lois really liked this apartment in a building, um, but it was out of their budget. It was too expensive for them. Yes. Yeah, so Bruce Wayne gave him a million dollars and then I could afford it. Yep. No, actually, <laughs> it was revealed that Bruce Wayne owned the building. Yeah. And so he gave it to them. At the rate that they could afford. Oh, so Bruce Wayne gouges all of his other tenants. Yep. Basically. That's why he's a millionaire. Yeah. So he, so he basically approved their, their application, allowed them to move into the dream apartment. And that's supposed to be nice. But again, the implications of what he's doing to the rest of his tenants are not great. I agree. I agree. Yes. Bruce Wayne could have given them the million. Hashtag. There are no good billionaires. Uh, (laughs) So he gets to the apartment. Uh, Lois and Clark go to honeymoon in Hawaii, which I think is an excellent choice. It is an excellent choice. Uh, during the that's time, Clark is kidnapped by terrorists who don't know that he's Superman. In Hawaii? In Hawaii. And, <laughs> and Lois actually has to come to his rescue so that he can't give up a secret identity. Uh, it's a very, actually, it's a very cute issue. Okay. Um, also, um, during this t- period of time, two things happen. Actually, when Clark gets married, he doesn't have his powers because mm-hmm. it's right after the event, the final night where the sun goes out. Yep. So it takes a couple of months in Superman continuity for his powers to come back. Also, very important during this time uh clark again he came back to from the dead with what is called the superman mullet or longer hair it's not really quite a mullet uh he cuts his hair short for the wedding mm-hmm. so he we have short haired superman again yeah and then it's time for superman blue and superman red jason's face uh while temporarily deprived of the solar energy that required to give him powers you know when his powers came back superman started developing energy based powers which eventually forced them to adopt a blue and white containment suit to prevent the energy from dispersing now when retaining most of his abilities he could now sense all kinds of different energies Mm -hmm. he could trail radioactivity he could pass through electricity sockets he basically became a blue energy electric version of himself in a really really cool costume now i could tell you more but I will say that in the future, very soon, we are going to do an episode of Superman Blue. So I'm not. I mean, gonna, it is Superman year. So. Yes, it's Superman year. So I won't say more. Let's just say he eventually splits into two people, Superman Red and Superman Blue, and then just gets his normal non-electricity powers uh, back. So we're going to talk about that more in a future issue. Just say he becomes an electricity being um, and. Oh, trying to play uh, a sound effect that it didn't play. I wonder why. Let's see. Here we go. There it is. Action figure spotlight. I have a whole like 10 of them. (laughs) I just got a recently uh, thanks to Ashley at mile high comics in Denver, Colorado. Mm -hmm. I got sort of a make amigo version uh, where it's like sort of looks like a Barbie doll with a, with a version of that. So that's uh, there you go. So stay tuned for a Superman blue episode very soon. But after he becomes back from being Superman blue, he decides to make himself the king of the world. So he stands on the edge of the Titanic and James Cameron directs him. James Cameron holds him up from his waist, <laughs> raises him. And Superman goes, I'm the king of the, I'm, I feel, I can feel the wind, Jack. I can feel the wind. And he, Is that what she says? I've uh, never seen that movie. I don't know. No, Leo Capra goes king of the world. Oh. That was the joke. You were mixing up things. Why are we talking James about James Cameron must be really strong if he let him Superman uh, speaking and of, the Avatar franchise. Speaking of James Cameron, Ashley, <laughs> would Superman make a good king? I want a pros and cons list of this before I actually tell you what cons, happens. Cons? Kings are authoritarian, authoritarian and abusive mm-hmm. um, and have serfs. Mm-hmm. Pros, he's handsome. Mm-hmm. 
Um, pros, he's not super violent. Mm-hmm. Con, kings are authoritative and horrible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, would Superman make a good king? I guess if we have to have a king, we could do worse than Superman. That's yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, let's talk about the time. Are there good kings? Probably not. Let's talk about the time that Superman decided to declare himself king of the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So some hard times fell on the Daily Planet. Fell on the world. <laughs> and the owners of the Daily Planet reluctantly sold the company to Lex Luthor, who promptly closed its doors and fired everyone. He was like, I'm sick of them saying all the things I do. Mm-hmm. How dare they say that I constantly try to kill Superman every single day, even though that's what I do even every single I day. Try to kill Superman every single day. So out of work, Clark decided to resume his book writing career. But he was horrified to quickly find out that the fictional situations he was writing in his books were coming true mm. in the real world. Some would call that coincidence. Clark called that paranoia. <laughs> Superman, because of this, essentially decided to abandon his life as Clark Kent. He was mm-hmm. like, I'm unemployed. I'm writing these books that things are whatever I write in the book actually happens. I just can't be Clark anymore. Mm-hmm. So he decides to patrol the Earth 24 seven, leaving his new wife. Yep. All alone. Well, at this point, he'd probably at this point, he's probably married to her to a couple of years. We I mean, still relative, relatively yes. new. Uh, they're still pretty new. Yes. Um. During this time, actually, one good thing did happen. Superman offered Superboy his partial clone because he's, you know, half Superman, half Lex mm-hmm. Luthor. He decided to give him a genuine Kryptonian name. He thought if Superboy had done such a good job that he gives his distant relative, genetic relative. Son. It's not his son. Con L. Mm-hmm. Believing the two were family and Superboy gratefully accepted. When Superboy, excuse me, when Superman, again, he's being Superman 24-7. He's being paranoid. He's doing all stuff like that. He believes that Lex Luthor has attempted to create synthetic kryptonite. Mm-hmm. So the Man of Steel's solution to this is he slices LexCorp Tower in half and throws the top half into space. And kills everyone who's in the top half of the building. They, uh, well, you're going to assume they're evacuated, but you know. The science police uh, run by Maggie Sawyer try to arrest him. Superman cuts re- them in half. <laughs> he refuses. <laughs> so Batman, the Justice League show up. Uh-huh. Because uh, they were like, you're crossing the line. You can't throw buildings into space. And the JLA was unable to stop Superman. Yeah. Um, but during the battle, the JLA learned that the truth of Superman's recent behavior was because he was being manipulated by the villain, everyone's favorite, Dominus. And I know, Ashley, you know who Dominus I, is. For sure. Yeah, yeah. And I know all the <laughs> listeners know who Dominus uh-huh. is. He's here. Uh, you want to tell the listeners who Dominus is? Because he's a very important villain. He's appeared in so many stories. Dominus is a giant domino that got um, struck in the heart by kryptonite and became a villain. Incorrect. But he does have a face with black paint on it. White, hey. white and black paint on. So you were close there. Dominus actually is one of the lords of order. Now, if you remember from our Dr. Fate episode a couple of ways back, the lords of order are just some people that like right. to keep things or in order. But he was a lord of order that became a lord of chaos when he got stuck in the Phantom Zone. And inside the Phantom Zone, he talked to a lot of other Kryptonians and he was peeking in on Superman through his Phantom Zone projector. And he's like, you know what? I can take on this Superman guy. I can brainwash this guy. So he escaped and that's what exactly what he did. I like to mention that the Lords of Order are just people who are putting their long boxes in order and the Lords of Chaos mm. just flip them over sometimes. Yeah. Mess up their alphabet. Not quite. Not quite. So, super, so, so Superman has been doing all these actions yep. because of the influence of dominance. Yep. Uh, 
Eventually, the United Nations declared war on Superman because at this point, Superman was going into countries and de-arming, throwing their missiles into space, basically being like, you don't need weapons. You don't need any stuff to hot, throw in space. Hot take. I support this choice by Superman. Uh, hot take. If you Throw the missiles into space. If you watch the Christopher Reeve movie, Superman for the Quest for Peace, which came out during Superman's Dark Age, uh, that's the plot line of that movie. And it's a bad movie? Eh, it's pretty bad, but uh, I, I'm for Superman doing this too. Mm -hmm. Anyways. The UN's declaring war on Superman. Okay. Lois Lane's like, I'm going to break into the Fortress of Solitude because at this point, Batman's called her up and said, yo, Lois, I know Dominus has control of Superman. What can you do? Mm -hmm. And Lois is like, I'm going to break into Superman's man cave, the Fortress of Solitude. Mm -hmm. So she breaks into the Fortress of Solitude and she's able to free Superman from the spell that Dominus had hooked on him. With a kiss. With, well, you know, and a saran wrap ass. <laughs> but Dominus regained control. And he used a horde of Superman robots that, of course, Superman yep. has laying around the uh, Force of Solitude to attack the UN building. Now, Luther, at this point, was also attacking Superman. And he filled the old LexCorp tower that was now orbiting Earth <laughs> uh -huh. full of his synthetic kryptonite. Yes, Superman was right. He was making synthetic <laughs> kryptonite. He's always making synthetic kryptonite. And he crashed this building down on the Fortress of Solitude, reducing it to ruins. And this finally broke Dominus's control on Superman and banished the supervillain to the Phantom Zone once and for all. Now, the world was pretty uneasy mm -hmm. because Superman had declared himself king and many people no longer trusted him. And some questioned, they were like, hey, is this another version where like, is this a fake version of Superman? Because, you know, a couple we years... We had a bunch of them. Yeah, we had a bunch of... Superman... So maybe this is not... This is Maybe this is a fake version of Superman. Uh -huh. You know, maybe the real version of Superman died when Doomsday showed up. And Superman realized that he would have to win people's trust back one day at a time. Mm. But luckily, Brainiac 2.5, who is, you know, the, the 2.5 fifth version of Superman, had shown up Half as time. good as Brainiac 5, um, the best Brainiac. He had parked himself in earth's orbit and you know he was you know thinking about attacking metropolis uh-huh and the first way that he decided to do it was by playing a certain song that i think we all know a song that i am vamping to get past the commercials mm -hmm. so that i can play live in the air so i can get the people of metropolis heard you know what the song is, actually. No, I don't. I'm trying to get the... Oh. So the people of Metropolis... <laughs> I thought you were going to Rickroll us. <laughs> no, they because we're at the Millennium, baby. It's the year 2000. And this is a giant Superman event called the Millennium. And the people of Metropolis were like, why are we hearing this Robin Williams song? And what's going to happen after the year 2000 for Superman? We're going to have to learn in our next installment. It won't be next week. We don't know what it's going to be. be like next year. Probably be next year. We've done We've managed to do a Superman about once every hundred episodes. But anyways, Superman is going to have to face down that song. He's going to have to face down Brainiac 2.5. And he's going to have to convince the world to love and trust them again. As a whole new creative team comes onto the Superman book and takes Superman into the quote unquote modern age. You were not kidding in your intro because this is a very different Superman 
than we started this lesson with. Yeah. Hugely different. And he's going to change a lot more in the next batch uh, in the year 2000 because the creative team is going to completely flip mm -hmm. and bring a lot of this. They're going to go back on a lot of the stuff. Basically, the next period is basically going to be. Retcon, retcon, retcon. Yeah, it's retcon, retcon, retcon. It's going to be about 12 in 12 years. Until all, we until we get to the new fifty two, we, we do another hard reboot. All, for the next reboot. twelve years, all the next Superman writers in the Superman modern age are basically going to take Superman back to the Silver Age. They're going to undo everything that John Byrne just spent the last fifteen years doing. Building, yeah, 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 yeah. But that is it for Superman, the quote unquote Dark Age Superman from nineteen eighty five to the year two thousand. Jason's favorite era of Superman. Uh, we'll get to that. Okay. All right, let's get to the recommended reading. That is where if you go to geekhistorylesson.com slash recommended reading, uh, Jason is going to lay down a lot of what was his source material for this that you can pick up, buy it in your form of choice, and a little bit of support comes to us. Well, we have a couple more discussions here, uh, but I'm going to tell you recommended reading here in just a second after we come back. And we're back. Superman, the Dark Age has concluded, but I'm going to tell you some recommendations for Superman Dark Age. And we're going to have a couple more discussions here. Uh, my recommendation, if you go to geekhistorylesson.com, did you explain that? Uh, yes, I did. Sorry. Geekhistorylesson.com slash recommend to read a whole list. Uh, number one, Man of Steel. Mm -hmm. Got to talk about John Byrne's Man of Steel. That's my first recommendation to reading. There are four hardcovers. They actually cover John Byrne's entire run, but they're all, they're beautiful. They're just called Man of Steel. Uh, and it starts with the original miniseries and it goes all the way through his entire run so you it ends with uh, him killing the kryptonians the next one is it's not the only way it's in print is an omnibus it's the superman exile omnibus mm. okay it's great storyline jerry ordway really holds up it's fantastic and a fun one that i put at the end because we already gave the death of superman recommended readings like sadly a lot of the superman Dark Age is out of print. Yeah. It's not in print right now. There's a fun print where Dan Jurgens took over the Justice League right before yeah, yeah, right yeah. before the Death of Superman storyline. It's called Superman the Justice League. It's in print and it's in a nice soft cover trade. And that is my third thing. All right. Now, Ashley, let's get to some discussion stuff yes. here. You asked me at the beginning of the storyline, you thought I was going to ask you at the beginning of this pod what I thought what I was going to ask you if what you thought the most important thing yeah. of this run era is now that we've talked through it ashley um what do you think was the best and what do you think was the worst change of this period of change of superman the dark age what do you think is the best what do you think is the worst i think the the best change is finally marrying lois uh-huh uh, it's a long, t they should have been married in like the seventies. Well, they were in the imaginary. Yeah, stories. I know. Yeah. I know. Um, but they should have been married. Um, I, I really believe that they are much better uh -huh. as a family. Mm -hmm. And yes, you can be a family of only two people. Um, I also think it's just good to have a married couple and not have them be an absolute disaster. Absolutely. They, they, they yes. help each other. Yes. Um, they function well mm -hmm. as, as a couple, the worst change I mean, that's that's really tough to say. You could say Superman Blue. A lot of people would. No, I haven't read enough Superman Blue personally, I think, to have like a, a valid opinion on it. I will be. I know we're going to do an episode about it, but I'm going to be totally honest and bi and bias here. I love it mainly for the look. That's and, fine. It's and, comics. And also that's half the reason we love most. Things. I talk about this. I love the wild swing of it, but I will tell you a lot of the stories do not hold up. OK, here's what I think is the worst thing. And it's because it's they it's because they've used some of the characters should have gone away. It's it's the Superman. Oh, you think the four Superman characters should have gone away? No, I think 
Eradicator should have gone away. Mm-hmm. And I think Cyborg Superman should have gone away. Oh, I don't, I don't agree with you at all. I think they are overused now. As villains. As yeah. villains. Yeah. Um, By the way. <laughs> action figure spotlight. Uh, McFarland the Toy just introduced a pretty sweet version of the Patrick Gleason retcon yeah. version of uh, Eradicator. And yeah. I want it. I It's not because I don't think these characters are interesting. It's not because I don't think that's an exceptional all-time great comic book storyline. Mm-hmm. I think those two characters have been underserved since their heyday. Mm, fair. So... If I have to pull a negative, that's just the first thing that comes to my mind. Oh, so. wow. Interesting. I love those four characters. I know you do. I know. I know you do. Interesting. Uh, but it's my favorite era of Superboy, so. Um, what for you? The best? Best and worst. It's the new origin. It's 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 it's, yeah. it's Man of Steel. It's because that set the tone. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, I think the worst mm-hmm. is everything post-Superman Blue interesting because it starts getting muddled again well look i love the triangle era yeah i do and we're gonna talk about there's in the stick around we're gonna talk about the triangle era specifically but um i think that by that point dan jurgens and louise simonson and roger stern all those creators had just been on the books too long Mm -hmm. they've been on the books almost 10 years yeah and any writer, any creator, you're going to get burned out at a point. And, and your tricks are going to start to show. Yes. And I think it was the right choice to change the creative. They, they get rid of all the creative teams. Mm-hmm. That's what's going to happen to money. They're going to have all new creative yeah. teams. Um, and if I remember this, I'm actually going to put a note for myself uh, for the next time when I write the modern age lesson, which I don't know when that's going to be. Um, I actually, I don't know about if you know about the idea because you know everybody knows if you know comic books the new teams are like jeff loeb and ed mcginnis yeah 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 yeah. uh, joe kelly comes in and you know and this is where they start really changing up the art styles in superman but they were not the original team originally it was going to be grant morrison mark miller mark wade i did not know that and there you can find grant morrison put their pitch up on the internet and you can find it. And next time we talk about it, I will probably reveal their pitch um, because it would have flipped the table on Superman. I don't well, know. Well, a Grant if, Morrison pitch? I mean, yeah. I don't know if I would have loved it. Um, but anyways, um, so there's a lot of change here. So I think that last like two to three years that the Triangle Era team was on. Yeah. I think we should have brought the team change up earlier, earlier than the millennium, but they did it right at the millennium. Well, it's, it's such a big demarcation. Yeah. It's such a big turning over. Like, because I, get it. I think, like I said, like Superman blue has problems, but I love the giant swing of it. I do think death of Su- Clark Kent works. Um, there's also, I didn't talk about, there's the trial of Superman that happens. Yes. In this this mm-hmm. is really good. Reign of the Superman is good. Like death funeral for a friend, reign of Superman, return of Superman. I mean, there's a reason we did a whole episode on it. Perfection. Yeah. It's perfection. And then there's storylines before that panic in the sky mm-hmm. time after time. There's all, there's too much to cover. They're all really, really good. Great. So, so yeah. Uh, speaking of stuff, that's really, really good. It's time to get into the honor roll. It is. That is where if you give us five stars on Apple podcasts, we'll read whatever you write. And if you're a nice international friend, please send your reviews a screenshot to geekhistoryalsen at gmail.com with a note about where you are from. Cause we can't see international iTunes. 
So we have two people joining us today. The first is Mostly42, who says, awesome podcast. I extra loved episode 427, Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power. It really got me excited for the show and helped my enjoyment of it. Ashley rocks on the Tolkien lore. Wow. Thank you. Ashley does rock on the Tolkien lore. Thank you. Uh, I have, I have, uh, you know, I, it has been suggested by me and several other people that Ashley should have a Lord of the Rings podcast. Nope. Uh, but Ashley wants to keep the Lord of the Rings love to herself. That's right. She doesn't want to give it to the microphones and you lovely babies out there. I don't want it to become work. I understand. That's I'm, why I'm very so, guarded of that. That's why I'm heading <laughs> off at the pass right now. Don't suggest it. But, uh, <laughs> but I think thank she, you for everything. Any, anytime we do, anytime we do a Lord of the Rings episode, I feel like we get to get a peek into alternate Earth to Ashley's Lord of the Rings podcast. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. They are also joining. What would you name your uh, Lord of the Rings? Just off the top of your dome, right? What would, it call, what would you call it? I don't know. Two Hobbits? Sure. Hobbit and Long? Great. Hobbit power? Sure. Fast and hobbiting? Sure. Too fast, too hobbit. <laughs> too fast. Too, too hobbit, too breakfast. <laughs> too hobbit, second breakfast. There you go. All right, what's their next review? Uh, they are also joined by Madsen underscore who says, amazing, great podcast, perfect for any nerd or geek. Thank you for those lovely reviews, both of you. So thank you, Madsen underscore, and thank you mostly for T2. Welcome to the Teacher's Lounge. Yes. Jason, what's going on in there? Uh, Lex Luthor is in the Teacher's Lounge. He's using the oven, and he's trying to make synthetic kryptonite. I so watch out. I hate that. Yeah, he's he's like boiling a lot of gak, if you know what gak is. Mm -hmm. And it's, God, it smells really bad. Now. Yeah. It smells really bad in there. Actually, um, well, meth kind of smells like boiling rubber. So, actually, the new married couple that we have in the uh, sleeping bag in the corner mm -hmm. with Catherine Hahn, they can't stand. The, they can't. They're actually not in here today. They've left. They can't uh, stand the smell. Well, I hope they're playing a frisbee golf. What do college kids play out I on the lawn? Thought that was kicking a really different turn. Uh, all right, everybody, thank you so much for uh, leaving your reviews. Like our two excellent people. Uh, don't forget to subscribe and follow to us on everywhere that you find your podcast. Ashley, where can they find Geek History Lesson on social media? You can find us at geekhistorylesson.com, on facebook.com slash geekhistorylesson, on Twitter at GHL Podcast, and on Instagram at geekhistorylesson. You can follow Ashley on Instagram, TikTok, at Ashley V. Robinson. You can follow me on Instagram at Jawin. That's J-A-W-I-I-N. You can follow me on TikTok at Jason Inman Writer at patreon.com slash Jawin. That's where you can support the podcast. You can hear GHL Extra and Jason and Jeremy John about Justice League, our Justice League animated show review podcast and a new movie club podcast. We want to announce that it's all Superman year. The reason why we're doing so many Superman episodes because it's Superman year over there. And that is because if you are part of the secret mail level, Every single art print you're going to get this year, you're going to get 12 art prints and they're all going to be Superman related. The first month's going to be a couple of super best friend related because that's inspired by Superman, but they're going to be Superman related original art prints that you can only get there. So go check that out over patreon.com slash gentlemen. And thank you to all our super friends that support us. Now it's time for stick around. Hashtag stick around where make sure you stuck through all the plugs. Ashley. Hi. Hi. Are you, <laughs> did you leave? Yes. Okay. Now I'm back. Um, I know the Lex Luthor smell uh, drove you away. Um, why do you think the triangle era of Superman that we talked about quite a bit on this podcast is regarded as the height of the Superman comic series? I've saw that in several places. What I want to know, do you agree with it? Because we are 22, 23 years post that time period now. Do you think... The Triangle Era is the peak of Superman comic books, that Superman comics have never topped it. And why do you think that is, if you agree with that statement? Um, I definitely think it's the peak, certainly, of 
mainstream comics, like mm. of the mainstream main Superman ongoing comic. Superman yeah. title. Mm-hmm. I think you can argue with your preference if there are, I think all the stories that I would consider to be equal or perhaps better um, are like alternate reality one-offs. Yeah, and I intentionally leave those out of these lessons. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, I, th- I think the reason why this is the height of like ongoing mainstream Superman continuity is because it's the most different it's ever been. It mm-hmm. is the most challenging to the idea of Superman. And it's one of the only times that we have seen Superman experience growth in a really clear way that we can understand. It's why the original Nightwing series is like people's favorite era of that character because you get to see him change and evolve. Yes. Um, and it's why other runs struggle to touch that in the same way. And I also just think it's because it was superstars on everyone across the board. Superman, unfortunately, sometimes when editorial is not at its best, um, doesn't give Superman the talent he deserves. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Sometimes um, the Superman titles are looked at as an afterthought because I think all the A-list guys and, and I, girls want to go to Batman. I think Wonder Woman suffers the same thing too. I and agree. I think some creators are given those titles as conciliatory prizes. Yeah. And I think that that is unfair. And I'm not saying that you can't put, um, someone who's not quote unquote a superstar in those titles and have them knock it out of the park. I think we've seen that repeatedly across many, many titles, but um, I think because of the focus on Batman, I think Superman doesn't always get the talent backing it that it deserves. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And everyone, everyone in the triangle era, despite how hard they are to organize was at the height of their game. I mean, I'm going to say this, the Superman triangle era is the height of Superman comic books, the mainstream regular series comic books. And I think a big reason of that is because it established what we now think as Superman. And I think the reason, big reason why a lot of the other runs haven't measured up is because they have just tried to undo what the triangle era did. Yeah. Like we have flip flopped on Superman being married to Lois a couple of times and we always bring it back to Lois. Like I love that now in the comic books and in even media now it's the standard where they're like, no, they're married. They're married. Yeah, it's that, but it's also Superman died. Mm-hmm. Yep, and everybody's and, like Superman died, and, and he this came is back. what happened. Yep. Um, so even if like I know again, your mileage may vary on something like Man of Steel and Justice League, but like we did that story. Yep, he we died. have done the death of Superman in a lot of incarnations mm-hmm. in you know various There's qualities. Two animated movies, based both are great, it. and both are good. Um, yeah, nothing has impacted Superman's history more and than actually, this era. Actually, we've done it in live action now. Batman v Superman is the death of Superman. That's what I'm saying, yeah, yeah. right? And, um, you know, Dan Jurgens came back and gave us John Kent. Well, okay. So- and, and I was going to say, that's the only thing I think that might rival it. And we're still too close to it to know. But now Superman has children. So I was going to say that, that the reason why I think the Triangle Era works is because it established the modern Superman. But also... It allowed Superman, like you said, to change and change in a permanent way. And the change happens with Lois Lane. One, Lois Lane becomes an important character. Yep. The best character in the DC universe next to Dick Grayson. And he marries her and that becomes the standard. And I think until John Kent shows up mm-hmm. and now we've established, oh, oh, Superman as a kid mm-hmm. and it kind of feels like that's not going anywhere because we're close. We're getting close. We're about three years away from 10 years of John and Ken. Yeah. Um, and the interesting thing about that is, is that John Kent was created by Dan Jurgens, a veteran yeah. of yeah. the triangle era. Yeah. 
Yeah, like arguably the leader of that time. Right? Right. And so it's interesting that the next big impactful thing from Superman yeah. post this era is also from a creator from that era. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Dan knows what he's doing. <laughs> Dan, yeah. Dan's no slouch. <laughs> well, Dan at this point has, uh, Mr. Jurgens, Dan Jurgens, a uh, lovely man, has has worked on more episode issues of Superman than any other As person. a writer and an artist. Yeah. 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 Um, he knows the man. But no, I think... Look, I always want things to be better, but when you just just by the impact of the death, the funeral, the rain and the wedding. Yeah. It's going to be hard for any era of Superman to top this era. I agree. And I hope when it does, I hope it's sooner than later and hope it blows our freaking socks off. Yep. Me too. Because we should always be getting better. We should That's never right. be getting worse. That's right. And if, you know, I think one way to get better is to um, look forward to the premiere of Mac McGivney this summer on the CW at 10, nine central. Uh, all I will say is Greg Berlanti. Um, Jason and I are very employable. Mac McGivney. Mm-hmm. He knows how to cut it. <laughs> Thank you so much. Wouldn't even have to hide that you were shooting in Vancouver. For lis- <laughs> That's right. Thank you so much for listening to our Superman, the dark age, 1985 to 2000 episode. We hope you enjoyed it. Yeah. I probably got some things wrong, but you know, deal with it. Uh, when is Superman, the modern age going to happen? I don't know. Sometime, About a hundred episodes. Sometime next year, maybe this year or later this year, but keep an eye peeled for the Superman blue episode. The electric Superman episode is going to be coming very, very soon. I am Jason. Make it so Inman. I am Ashley Victoria Robinson and professor Jason, would you please dismiss the class? Class is now dismissed.